grateful to be here. It's been good, this worship experience to this point. I've never had a worship experience before where the sea lions even joined us, and it's wonderful. You know, Seventh-day Adventists are deeply blessed by the incredible narrative of Ellen White's writings on end-time prophecy. One of the great challenges that we have, and our ministry has accepted this challenge, is how do we take and affirm many of the things that Ellen White has said from God's Word? And what we're going to be talking about today is one of those issues, Adventists accept the earth beast as belonging to the United States. But can we affirm that? Can we show that? Can the weight of evidence show that that really is true? And we're going to be working on through that a little bit here this morning from Revelation 13. This particular presentation is what we're going to be presenting in Japan. We have a week-long seminar we'll be presenting there in November. And we have many presentations trying to show that from the Bible alone, many of these things are very true. The concept of a beast in prophecy relates to an empire or a nation. Daniel 7, 17 and 23. Intriguingly, the two beasts in Revelation 13 come from the word therion in Greek, meaning they are savage creatures. So we talk often about the two horns, the lamb-like horns. But the word for beast actually is savagery. And those two lamb-like horns are, are on that beast. That means that beast, right from the get-go, is a beast that is deceptive. The first beast ascends out of the sea, meaning that it arises from the environs of chaos and evil. Isaiah 57, 2 is a very interesting verse. The second beast descends or rises out of the earth, meaning earthly, a wicked place. Now, we have an, uh, an additional understanding of that as Adventist, because as an earth beast area, we think that that's coming out of an area that's non-populous, and that could be the reason of the origins of the United States. But within Revelation itself, the apocalyptic words for earth represent something that is wicked. We understand who the sea beast is from Revelation 17. It is the Vatican. There, a woman, the Roman Catholic Church, rides that beast, showing that she controls that nation. In chapter 13, it is represented as a unified power, church and state, supported by 10 world powers, the crowned horns. In Revelation 17, there are 10 horns. They do not have crowns. In Revelation 13, they do. They've become a world power. Interestingly, the various animals that are shown on this beast represent parts of the four beasts 
or nations in Daniel that come out of the sea in Daniel 7, 2 through 8. That beast became a geopolitical power in Revelation 17, 11, when it accepted the collective support of those ten horns. The ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. That is a geopolitical power or a new world order, if you please, using today's terminology. The sea beast is a church and state, a super world power. It has characteristics of the Ford Daniel 7 beast, and it hates God's people. Pope Benedict XVI said in his encyclical Caritas and Veritas, world peace can be ours if we only submit to a one-world government that manages our lives and our finances. Who might that world power be? The Bible has already told us. Contextually, it is that sea beast and the papacy. E.G. White said that won't occur easily, and this is an interesting quotation. She will employ every device to extend her influence and increase her power in preparation, and here it is, for a fierce and determined conflict to regain control of the world. What is she saying? There's going to be two rises of world power of the papacy, the second rise will be at the end of time. We are not told what the earth beast really looks like. It has lamb-like horns, and that's all it really says. But there's something important to observe. In Daniel 7, 17, and I've never heard a sermon on this, but it would make a very interesting study and presentation, those four beasts are also shown as coming out of the earth. This suggests by the tie to Revelation 13 that the earth beast shares the same characteristics as the sea beast. Since the papal sea beast is a religious nation and the earth beast helps the sea beast, it too must also be a religious nation. Sea beast, nation, religious world power, characteristics of four historic nations from Daniel 7. Earth beast, nation, religious, world power, characteristics of four historic nations from Daniel 7. Now the question we need to answer here this morning, which nation? If we don't use Ellen White, but we just use the Bible alone, what can we prove? How can we view this? Since the Roman Catholic Church alleges to be a Christian church, the earth beast nation must be a Christian nation. It's in support of it. That sympathizes with and supports that form of Christianity. Looking deeper, in Revelation 12, it shows the dragons, that's Satan in verse 9, the dragons rage against the pure woman, verse 1, God's true church. Then the dragon wars against her children, a remnant who identify 
with God's commandments and with Jesus. That's the familiar verse, Revelation 12, 17. Chapter 13 shows how that war will be waged. So chapter 12 is an introduction, and then we see how the war will be waged. Chapter 14, verses 1 through 5, we see those that are going to be victorious, the remnant. There the dragon uses those two agents, a sea beast and an earth beast, to war against the saints. We now can see that there is an intimate, friendly association between Satan, the papacy, and this earth beast. This is called, and it's very fascinating, by many, many scholars of many churches, the false trinity. As Christ received authority from the Father, the sea beast receives authority from the dragon or Satan. Revelation 13, 4. As the Holy Spirit glorified Christ, John 6, 14, the earth, excuse me, the earth beast glorifies the Antichrist. Satan, the dragon, pretends he is God. The sea beast pretends he is Christ. Earth beast pretends to be man's conscience, and he also pretends, too, to be like Christ, functioning like the Holy Spirit and outwardly pretends to stand for what is right. The earth beast is later called, it's very interesting, the false prophet. So he's religious. A true prophet leads people to worship God. The false prophet leads people to worship the papal power. Once again, we tie this beast to religious issues. Who is this earth beast, this false prophet? So far, we have these clues. It is a nation that is tyrannical. It sympathizes with Christianity. It leads the world to worship the papacy. It is in union with Satan and the Church of Rome by opposing God's people. It has characteristics like the four beasts in Daniel 7. Savage like a lion, powerful like a bear, fast as a leopard, and fearsome like the fourth beast. Other interesting parts of this beast are its two horns and its mouth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. Horns give power to the beast that they are on. Two horns are less than ten horns of the sea beast, showing it is subordinate in its role, its power role. These two horns resemble a lamb. It is acting or pretending like it is a ram or lamb of God, a harmless picture. This is part of the deceptive imagery that we find in Revelation 13. Though the beast presents as innocent, it speaks like a dragon. It is mimicking the little horn, the Antichrist, of Daniel 7 and Daniel 8. There the little horn blasphemed God, persecuted his people, magnified himself to the prince of princes, Jesus Christ, threw truth to the ground, and took away the place of God's true church. That's Daniel 8, verses 9 through 12, where those details are outlined. 
Its deception is like the speaking serpent in the Garden of Eden. We are reminded, watch out for false prophets. Remember, this earth beast is called two different times in the book of Revelation as a false prophet. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly. They are ferocious wolves, Matthew 7, 15. John continues, It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. That's filled with interesting phrases. Verse 12. Notice how power and authority are being transferred in Revelation 13. Satan the dragon gives evil authority to the Antichrist, papal sea beast. The papal Antichrist, by the Greek words, give all its authority to the false prophet or the earth beast. So we have papal Rome, power and authority is extended vis-a-vis their power throughout the whole world to the lamb-like beast or earth beast to do nefarious work. The earth beast must be exceedingly capable of controlling or even forcing individuals and nations into submission. It must have a strong sympathetic interest in the Holy See. The Holy See is the combination of the Roman Catholic Church and the Vatican City State. Together, they're the Holy See. They are part of the United Nations as a Holy See, intriguingly. We are now seeing stronger clues as to what this earth beast represents. The sea beast was given geopolitical power by the ten horns. We know that from Revelation 17. Satan then gave the sea beast authority to act on his behalf. The earth beast has power and desires to do the wishes of the papacy. There's more. The earth beast is so powerful, it says that it can force its will upon the whole world. All its inhabitants, too, worship the first beast as if it were a god. So whoever this earth beast is representing, it has to not only be exceedingly powerful, it has to have a world power that almost is military powerful. Now we know that whoever that earth beast nation is, it is a major tyrannical, again, world power. Might it be China? China certainly is an emerging world power right now. Might it be Russia? Russia is certainly a massive power. Might it be the United States? We're going to be entertaining all these thoughts as we move along, trying to analyze this from a biblical, historical, and current history viewpoint. Interestingly, it is associated with Christianity and has sympathetic ties. Would that match China? Would that match Russia? 
They had the Orthodox Church in Russia, might it be the United States, especially with the Protestant world. Well, the United States suddenly seems to be a good possibility. Does the United States have an interest in being friends with the Vatican? Pope John Paul II and President Ronald Reagan, both deceased, worked together leading to the demise of world communism, 1989-1991. A, a stroke of geopolitical genius between them as they worked together on it. With Great Britain, of course. Pope John Paul II addressed the General Assembly of the United Nations, 1979 and 1995. He was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President George Bush in 2003. United States Presidents Reagan, Bush, Obama, and Trump have visited the Pope in the Vatican. President Ronald Reagan in 84 opened formal diplomatic relations with the Holy See. The Congress had rejected that possibility up until 1984. The Roman Catholic Church and the Vatican City State again. Ambassadors have been exchanged ever since. William Wilson, the first ambassador to Rome from the United States, greets Pope John Paul II, a very powerful pope. Perhaps the most dramatic demonstration occurred in 2015 with Pope Francis coming to the United States. Arriving in New York in September, he addressed the United Nations. He addressed a joint session of Congress, a first in United States history. Pope Francis visited the Obamas at the White House with a large entourage of people. The United States friendship with the Vatican City State, if you please, with the Holy See continues. The prophecy continues to speak. He made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. Hmm. This nation is so powerful, he's making the earth and all its inhabitants to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Here, a very important point of history is given. Revelation 13 talks about two woundings and the recovery from those wounds. One, the head was wounded to death and then was healed. That's verse 3. The second was the sea beast was fatally wounded and it was healed. That's, I think, verse 11, as I recall. Ellen White notes each period a fulfillment of prophetic history as a preparation for the advanced light which will succeed each period. As the prophecy comes to an end, there is to be what? A perfect whole of understanding. So we have segmental understanding, we have segmental understanding, we have segmental understanding. At the end of time, all those segments can be gathered and we have a perfect whole of understanding. This means that the historical fulfillment will be partial. As advanced light comes, as we approach the end, we'll discuss some of these things this afternoon. Our understanding will be complete 
And that applies, I think, to this earth beast that we're discussing here this morning. Notice the wonderful unfolding of what these wounds represent. This is now dealing with just the head. Historical and end time. Historical, Adventists understand, Pope Pius VI had his head wounded when he was captured in 1798. That wound was healed within 48 months. Maybe even a little less than that. In 1800, Pope Pius VII was elected Pope. The Vatican, correction, the, Holy, the, the papacy at that time was not harmed that much if you study the history. Now let's look at an end time understanding. 1981, a head was wounded. Let's see if we can back that up here. There we go. Pope John Paul II was shot three times by a Turkish assailant. The wound was healed by 1983, and his leadership continued. Historical on the beast, nothing really important that we can identify. Maybe some of you could help me on that. The second thing is the end time application of the beast that's wounded. In 1870, the papacy was wounded to death. The Italian army took all of the papal lands. That process actually began in 1863. It was completed in 1870 when the Italian army marched on Rome, broke part of the wall down, marched in the city, and everything that was part of the leadership of the Catholic Church was taken except a few office areas. That was healed. 1929, in the Lateran Treaty, the Vatican City State was given back, or given to the papacy. Quickly, it became a world power, politically, financially, and religiously. So what we study there in Revelation 13, there's a wounding of the beast with a historical and an end time application there's also a wounding of the beast with an end-time application. Was Ellen White aware that there were two applications to Revelation 13? This is an important quotation for Adventists to be aware of. In the last days, Satan will appear as an angel of light with great power and heavenly glory and claim to be the Lord of the whole earth. Then, is that a, a sequence word? Then, is that a timing word? Then will take place the final fulfillment. Hello? Another fulfillment of the revelator's prophecy. And then she quotes the rest of the chapter, including in that quotation are these verses. He, the Antichrist, the sea beast, was given authority to continue 42 months. He, the earth beast, exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth beast and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Interesting. Now we know in that final fulfillment of Revelation 13, 
And folks, we really need to be careful and be very objective in how we look at some of these issues. Now we know in that final fulfillment are this. Number one, the worldwide religious work of the earth beast on behalf of the sea beast is during a 42-month period clearly tied to Daniel 8 through 12, and it has to have occurred on or after 1929 when the wound of that beast was healed and Ellen White, perhaps not knowing any of the details of the future, alluded to that issue. Pope Pius XI, head of the Roman Catholic Church between 1922 and 39, it was during his reign that the Catholic Church regained her power and the wounding of the beast came to fruition. Representatives, because of having the Vatican City State, because of the Lateran Treaty, because of what happened in 1929, representatives from nearly 200 countries are now in Rome assigned to the Holy See. Notice the Pope on his throne. The earth beast is later called, as we have mentioned, the false prophet. He also tries to look like Christ. He has lamb-like horns. Christ is the Lamb of God. Revelation 5.6 discusses that. He promotes worship of the beast. Christ promotes worship of the Lord God. He speaks and teaches for the dragon. Christ speaks and teaches for the Father. Hebrews 1.3 What nation was founded on religious principles that can promote Christianity? is the strongest country and has the highest percentage of Christians. The United States has 75% Christians, rounding it off. Russia, 45%. China, 7%. Evidence continues to mount that the United States is to become that false prophet that has close ties with Rome. The authority of the earth beast continues to be exercised. The sea beast or papacy has a following. Daniel calls that his host. It's very interesting. Or them that forsake the covenant. They are in a coalition with the papacy. They serve as its promotional arm. A similar picture emerges for the earth beast. It must be able to force other nations to observe like forcing worship to the beast and having sympathetic citizens. It performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Interesting. Signs are used to validate the authenticity of a prophet. There must be powerful religious leaders guiding this earth beast. This sign power was given to Moses, representing God. It also proved that Elijah's God was above all other gods. Inside the earth beast nation are leaders who strongly support the aims of the papacy. To show their religious power and authority, they will demonstrate supernatural signs. We can hear an echo of what was said long ago. Fearful sights of a supernatural character will soon be revealed in the heavens. 
in token of the power of miracle-working demons, the spirits of devils will go forth to the kings of the earth and to the whole world to fasten them in deception and urge them on to unite with Satan in his last struggle against the government of heaven. By these agencies, rulers and subjects will be alike deceived. That's exactly the imagery we find in Revelation 17, verse 11 through 13. They will perform wonderful miracles of healing and will profess to have revelations from heaven contradicting the testimony of the scriptures. Strange supernatural things will appear on planet Earth that appeal to man's emotions. In Revelation 16, unclean spirits come out of the mouth of each of the beings shown as part of the false trinity. One of those beings is the false prophet. These spirits are like frogs. They're unclean. This suggests their deceptive nature. They represent Babylon because it is home of unclean spirits. They are spirits of devils. Their mission to gather the whole world and its leaders to battle on the great day of God Almighty. That last phrase is a very important study also. John later sees this mission being fulfilled. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider of his, the horse and the army, 1919 in Revelation. The powers shown in Revelation 13 have one final objective, to war against Christ and his people. They will be met with total defeat and desolation. The papacy has no army. Satan has only the earthly forces that he can muster. The earth beast or that false prophet has to have enormous power to force the inhabitants of the world to give obeisance to Rome. It's military, if you please. What country or nation has the greatest might to enforce such international law? The United States has the strongest economy in the world. The GDP, 53,000 to 10 to China's 68. Military spending, Russia, 14%. China, 20, or correction, 14, China, 25. I did, uh, part of that is, the, the quote is missing there. Political influence, the US foreign aid far exceeds that of Russia and China put together. Military power, Weapons personnel far exceeds both of those countries. Evidence continues to mount that the only nation in the world that could be represented by the earth beast is the United States. John continues, because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth it ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. This text opens up a series of amazing issues related to what happens at the time of the end. Because of the power the earth beast has, it is able to deceive the inhabitants of the world 
This is religious and a global influence. Again, this nation must have leaders that will perform miracles which convince the world that they have and speak truth at a time when global interest in a supernatural power is intense and the world is looking for help. What they do and teach will entice everybody except God's people. They think that what is being taught is the answer to the heartaches and challenges they are facing. Calamities, wars, economic loss, and we'll address some of these issues again this afternoon in our seminar on Ellen White and time. The catalysts for such an interest in God by the references from the Bible and Ellen White above, number one, first, an increased public awareness and interest in the Ten Commandments. Is that happening right now? It is happening in the United States. There are a growing number of Protestant evangelical voices that we need to use the Ten Commandments as our cultural standard. It's being met with a lot of resistance, but Vice President Pence has alluded to that very recently. Politicization of the Sabbath. This is a very important concept. The Sabbath must become a political issue to become a law issue. Economic stress, perhaps God will help if we get back to him. Calamities that clearly create helplessness. We're certainly seeing a lot of desolation right now with all the fires here in California. Speaking out against society's immorality. Again, we'll go into those details more this afternoon. As the movement for Sunday enforcement gains favor, it will eventually bring the whole Protestant world, how much? The whole Protestant world under the banner of Rome. So the coalitions that are talked about in Revelation 17 are very real coalitions, very powerful ones that will guide and direct what needs to be enforced morally and religiously. Protestants of the United States, who? Protestants of the United States will be foremost in stretching their hands across the gulf to grasp the hand of spiritualism. They will reach over the abyss to clasp the hands with the Roman power. And under the influence of this threefold union, this country will follow in the steps of Rome in trampling on the rights of conscience. Who are the leaders that use mystical signs and bring religion into the fore? Protestants in the United States. Once again, we are left with no other conclusion than that the religious leaders of the United States represent that authority which brings the signs and miracles that deceive the world. Well, how can the United States get that much power? Well, if you look at current history right now, what our president is doing is moving many sectors of the world that seems absolutely impossible. In 24 hours, something he did because of that pastor that's in prison in Turkey, in 24 hours, he was able to see the lira, the, the money 
in Turkey dropped 20%, and they are now in financial trouble. A U.S. president did that. Right now, as we are speaking here this morning, United States warships are challenging China warships in the South China Sea. The power of the United States is growing. Clearly for Revelation 13 to be fulfilled, the United States has to have a leader that is undaunted by threats from around the world and from within. We are beginning to see that possibility. Whether it's the current leader or not, I don't know. But we are beginning to see dramatic possibilities emerge by the influence that is occurring. Also in the Middle East, many things that are being done to try to get rid of the terrorist. On whose behalf do these things occur? On behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. This again clearly shows a very close tie, a working relationship between the United States and Rome. The prophecy continues. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. The United States, this earth beast, has so much power, it orders them, the inhabitants of the world, to set up or make a law in honor of the beast. The term set up in the book of Daniel, interpreted in the King James Version, is written in Hebrew. The words there in Daniel 11 and in Daniel 12 mean a leg legal law has been created. It's talking about the abomination that leads to desolation. It is set up. Here we find a similar language in the Greek set up. This implies, tied in with Daniel, that there is a law that was made to an image honoring the beast that was wounded by the sword. Again, there's that wound and yet lived. Daniel 11, 31 says that the Antichrist is behind this law. There in Daniel 11, 31, it is called a king. Before Daniel 11, 31, it's called a vile person. And then in verse 45, it's called the king of the north. Daniel is clear that this law relates to taking away of the true Sabbath and setting up a false Sabbath. What does God call that? An abomination. Incidentally, that's another wonderful study. I almost decided to present it here this morning, and I chose this. And that's the study can we show that from the Bible, there's going to be Sunday laws. And it's a very beautiful study that every Adventist really needs to know. Jesus says, go to Daniel, where it talks about the abomination of desolation. And when we run that to the ground, it's very clear that there are going to be laws against the true Sabbath and laws for the false Sabbath. Though our study today is not to evaluate the meaning of the image to the beast, it is from this tie that we can show biblically that it relates directly to the Sabbath. 
Ellen White knew the meaning of the earth beast when she noted, the United States is the power represented by the beast with the lamb-like horns. This prophecy will be fulfilled when the United States shall enforce Sunday observance. From the Bible and current history and the weight of evidence, it can be shown that the earth beast really does represent the United States of America. At this time, we are not looking for the Sunday laws per se, but for things that will be catalysts to the Sunday laws. Calamities that create the need for God, a government in the United States that is powerful enough to control the world, a government that is in sympathetic to Christianity, a growing Protestant voice for the right. Franklin Graham, in the last six months, has spoken out many, many times on behalf of the evangelical world that perhaps it's time for civil disobedience to bring back the moral right into America. Things are happening behind the scenes. So now we can really see, we can use the Bible and show and prove many, many of the truths that we hold dear as Seventh-day Adventists. And I hope this has been of some value this morning to go over this. So many, many things that we use Ellen White for as references, and rightly so as Adventists, we really can show from the Bible alone. Second Peter 1.19, once again, I thank Ben for reading that to begin with. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. So many wonderful things we now can apply to being fulfilled, knowing that we are at the end of time. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, be careful, pay attention to these things that we understand and that are happening around us. Watch is one of the words that we find in Revelation in Matthew 24. As unto a light that shineth into a dark place, things are beginning to be understood. We can see things lighten up, and it becomes more and more beautiful to understand these things. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, and maybe we could say, Arise over the planet Earth when Jesus Christ comes once again. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for truth as it continues to unfold for us. We thank you that we have a growing sensitivity, that we are in the time that we can truthfully say objectively that Jesus is coming soon. We thank you, Lord, for the Adventist message that has sensitized us to many of these things in advance. And I pray, Lord, that each one here this morning will find it in their hearts, a craving in their hearts to know the deeper issues of your holy word especially some of these prophetic truths. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Give us a keen understanding of what the Bible really means and also a deep conviction of what we need to do to please Jesus. In all fronts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.